Hi, I'm Chuck Quinley. Welcome to Thread, episode 117. Thread, God's truth tying together all the pieces of your life. Thread is the broadcast of Dr. Chuck Quinley. Thread. All right, welcome back to the Thread Podcast. This is a podcast for those who want to be an agent of change in their generation for the Lord. And so we we look to the scriptures as our guide and we look for patterns and we look for understanding to guide us in the way we should live and move uh, as people who really want to leave an impact on the lives of other people, whether it's in a church environment or in the workplace or in our family or on a college campus or in mission somewhere. Uh, Threads a podcast for you. We are standing behind you, and I'm so excited to have any role at all in pouring water on your hands as you are all over the world. We have listeners from over 20 nations that tune into the Thread podcast, and uh, we just want to make it something that's very, very valuable to you. Uh, This particular podcast is pretty cool to me because our passage in Acts chapter 18, verses uh, 18 through the end, is really a passage about the ministry of other people. You know, when uh, a lot of our focus, and even on this podcast, a lot of our focus is on our own performance as leaders and our own spiritual maturity and, you know, me bringing the best that I can bring to the ministry for the sake of other people and to try to help people that I encounter along the way and try to be, you know, a good force for the Lord in the world. But you're not the only one ministering. And it's really important to take a look at uh, the relationships that we have with other people who are doing similar work. Now, you would think that all Christians who were trying to be agents of change, uh, whether that is uh, individually or whether it's institutionally, you'd think that all of us would just treat each other like colleagues and that we'd be so excited to run into someone else who's also doing ministry like us. And, you know, sometimes we are. Sometimes we have the maturity, uh, and sometimes the other person is a safe enough person that we feel like we can do that. But honestly, some of the worst grief that you will ever have in trying to be an agent of change comes from other groups who are very similar to your group and comes from other leaders who are doing a work that is similar to your work. And, you know, we all have insecurity. And the question is just whether we are mature enough and secure enough about our insecurity to own up to it and to acknowledge how insecurity is affecting us at any given time. But, you know, we're insecure and we behave toward each other sometimes uh, as though uh, we mistrust one another. And uh, sometimes it goes past that and it actually becomes an open competition. And uh, I just think it's really important for us to look at the Word of God and look at especially Paul's attitude and, and those who were in his ministry circle You know, their attitude toward other people who were their companions in the Lord's work, even when those people didn't work with them. Remember that time that uh, there was a man casting out demons in Jesus' name, and the disciples came across this brother in his ministry? 
I mean, he was successfully setting people free from demon possession. And they told Jesus, we forbade him. We told him to stop doing it because he wasn't one of us. You know, he's not in our group. He's not under our authority. And Jesus said, don't do that. You know, don't do that. Uh, if they're not against us, they're for us. So I just think it's really an important lesson because there are spiritual dangers inherent in, in any field. And uh, it, there is actually some very real spiritual dangers, things that can war against your soul when you are doing the Lord's work and you're trying to establish some kind of an organization, whether it's a church or a cell group or something. Um, we just have to watch out for that because I'm not the only one called by God. And our group or our church, we need to stop saying that our group is the best group as though we're in competition with the others. Uh, in the last church that I pastored, we really made it a habit on Sunday mornings when we welcomed people to say, you know, we welcome you to church this morning and we want you to know we are not the best church in town. We're not in competition with other churches. We honor and we, we would name the local pastors and the other churches in the area. And we would say, you know, we are striving to be a healthy, life-giving church that is faithful to Jesus. We want to be a lighthouse to lost people. If you're searching for the truth and trying to find your way, we're here for you. And we want to be a storehouse to the body of Christ. And we want to share what we have with other churches and groups that are, are not as big as we are, not as strong in some way. And we're very willing to share what we have with you. And, you know, I got so many good comments just from taking that posture and teaching my staff that that was going to be our posture, that we were never going to compete against another church, that we would honor those churches and we would win all around because those churches would not feel threatened by us and we'd have harmony with them. We would be able to share resources and fellowship with our brothers and sisters in the other local churches. And also our visitors would see us as a church that takes the high road and the kind of church that they would want to be part of. In this passage, it mentions some of the people in a long line of fellow workers that Paul was honored to know. So let's just talk about a few of them. In verse 18, it talks about a couple, Priscilla and Aquila. And uh, we met them already earlier in the chapter. Paul had met them in Corinth, uh, and they took him in when he moved into that city. He didn't know people there. And this couple, also Jews, took him into their, into their house. They also believed in Jesus. And they also took him into their business. They trusted him to be a business partner, and they worked together to support themselves in the ministry. There was a special connection between Paul and this couple, and you know that's that divine flow that we've talked about before. And this couple traveled with Paul in ministry, and then they would travel on their own in ministry, wherever the Lord was leading them to go. And Paul calls them my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And I think what's so awesome about Priscilla and Aquila is that it's the, they show us the power of a couple that is unified in ministry together. And, you know, that doesn't mean that both of you have to be preacher-type people. 
Um, but when you can find your, your role in the ministry, and if you can find a way that you coordinate that with your spouse, and if you both give yourself to it, it's like one plus one equals like 20. It is just so powerful when a couple has unity in their marriage and unity in their, uh, their vision of life, and they minister together. And it's not like one's doing the ministry and the other one is resenting it, but they both throw themselves into it with all their heart. And uh, in chapter 18 here in the book of Acts, we see the two of them closing their business. I mean, they had a good business going in a big town, and they close their business, they close their home, and they uproot themselves to join with Paul and to go on this mission outreach into Syria. This couple is really cool also because they're never mentioned individually. The Bible never says Aquila or Priscilla. They're like a hyphenated, interdependent couple, a model to other people. Interestingly enough, uh, Priscilla is often mentioned first, which is very unusual in the ancient world that the wife is mentioned ahead of her husband. They both seem to have had a very powerful gift of encouragement and a gift to be teachers and accurate teachers. But Priscilla seems to have been especially gifted to teach. And she is, you know, her husband is secure about that and he gives her space. And when the scripture mentions the two of them, sometimes in the beginning, especially, it mentions Aquila, the man, and Priscilla. And then later it'll say Priscilla and Aquila. Some people have even theorized that Priscilla wrote the book of Hebrews and that that's why the book is anonymous because it wouldn't have been acceptable for a woman to write it. Now, we don't know if that's true. Nobody knows who wrote Hebrews. But that was, you know, that's one theory. In 1 Corinthians, because they were in that church together digging it out, Paul recognizes them as the co-founders of the Corinthian church. And in Romans 16, Paul says that they risked their lives to save his. We know in church history that after Emperor Claudius died in 54 AD, they returned to Rome, where they were from, and they strengthened the churches there. And tradition says they were both ultimately martyred for their faith. So awesome workers, a couple that is to be emulated. Then we get down to verse 24, and we're introduced to another major preaching figure in the early church. The man's name was Apollos. He was a complete man. He was eloquent. He was scholarly, yet he was anointed. He was mighty in the scriptures. Uh, verse 25 says he was fervent in his spirit. Uh, the word fervent means he was on fire. You know, his spirit was fiery, and he spoke and he taught accurately the things of the Lord. And, uh, you know, uh, teaching ministries are so important to the health of the church overall. And God has really given some people special gifts for teaching, uh, detailed kind of teaching, you know, where people take notes and they really get to know their Bible or they know the principles of God's words. Other people come through and they're like the fireball people that hold the big rally kind of services and people get delivered and have these like amazing emotional uh, supernatural breakthroughs that take place under their ministry. But the point is, the body of Christ needs all these people. And uh, 
if you're a pastor especially, we've got to get over being jealous of the ministry of other people and of believing that nobody can stand in our pulpit except us and share God's Word to our people. You know, if, uh, if I made an error as a younger pastor, I think that was my error. Uh, I held on to my pulpit too much. And as I got a little bit older, I started to realize that the hand of the Lord was on many people and that I would actually be enriched myself and my people would be better balanced as a church if they had access to a wide variety of teachers and different, you know, emphases and different, you know, it's all good. It's God's Word, and we just have different ways of bringing it. Uh, we, let's look at Apollos, because he was such an important man in the early church. He knew the Old Testament. He knew most of the Jesus story. He doesn't seem to be as clear initially about the Holy Spirit baptism. But in the synagogue at Ephesus, he was preaching to the Jews everything he knew about Jesus, and he was preaching it with fire and with conviction. And I love his spirit. I mean, he's knowledgeable. He's like, uh, he's notable, you know. I don't want to say superstar, but he's a notable speaker, one that everybody talks about because he's so eloquent. And he finishes preaching, and Aquila and Priscilla were in the crowd. They saw the obvious hand of God on his life. They saw his anointing. And then when service was over, discreetly out of the sight of other people, and that's important, they sat down with him and they shared the full story, the full teaching of Jesus, the way of repentance, the way of baptism to enter the kingdom of God, and baptism into the Holy Spirit. And Apollos listened gratefully, and he was improved in his knowledge of the Lord. And I love that, that he wasn't too, you know, too big to listen to other people, and even to have his own doctrine uh, not so much corrected as expanded because there were, uh, there were things he was missing. And this couple, you know, it's not like we have credit for anything that we know. It's sort of like one beggar telling another one where to find bread. And that's what they were doing. They were sharing with him what they heard, what they heard from Paul, what they've heard from others who knew Jesus personally. And he took it, and he listened to it, and he took it in. Now, when he finished his time in Ephesus, he wanted to go back to Corinth. Now, this is the church that Aquila and Priscilla and Paul had planted. And he says, I want to go back. I want to go back there, and I want to teach that church. I want to stay with them for a while, and I want to pastor them. They don't have anybody there right now who's strong in the Word. I want to go do good ministry in that church. And they wrote him a letter to take back to that church so that they would receive him as a teacher. Now, Corinth was a key church, and Paul and Aquila and Priscilla, they just had to trust each other, and they had to team up on this, and they had to trust other men and women of God, and nobody had the notion that those were their churches, and those are my members. You know, it's God's church. Paul summed it up to the Corinthians later in 1 Corinthians 3.6. He said, I planted... And Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. There are other people working out there besides Paul, and they were doing good work. And Paul was a big enough man to acknowledge it and to work with them, to, to value having them go to his church and his groups that he planted. But he didn't feel ownership. He's like, God just told me to plant, and I'm planting. 
and brother, yeah, sister, yeah, go over there, train, you know, work with those people. And these aren't the only ones, you know. In addition to these, we read about Barnabas and Silas and Timothy and John Mark and Titus and others. And, you know, Paul spends the entire 16th chapter of Romans greeting other fellow laborers. And nobody really knows the life in ministry except another person who has chosen the same path of life. So we need to, to love other people who are sacrificing at the same level we are to serve the Lord in being an agent of change. We need these relationships and competition against fellow people in the Lord, fellow leaders. It robs us of their companionship. And even worse, it divides the body of Christ because they pick up on it. Even if we're kind of discreet in our uh, feelings about others, if we feel negatively, they feel it. And it saps the spiritual power that the church can only have when it walks in absolute unity in the body of Christ. You know, I want to be known as a man of God who's secure and who loves other good people in the Lord. And I want to have a marriage. I want me and Sherry to have a marriage like Aquila and Priscilla. I want fire in my bones like Apollos. I want to have the vision of Paul. And God has given me all kinds of friends who serve the Lord in different ways. And I just value them so much. And I value you also. Thank you for tuning in to the Thread Podcast. You'll do me a really big favor if you go on the iTunes store and give us a, a rating and some feedback. And if you will share with your friends that you're enjoying the feed, the the Thread Podcast, and invite them also to join us next time. Expect God to use you. He's going to use you. He wants to use you. His hand is on your life, and I'm excited to hear from you. You can write me anytime, chuck at quinley.com. That's all this time. See you next time on Thread.